0: Hey guys, welcome to this special episode which is a best of compilation from the vault of our exclusive Patreon videos. We're taking the best 5 stories we've covered so far over there, handpicked from several videos and putting them here for you to check out. If you guys want some more gritty topics and videos from us, then you need to sign up for Patreon with us because every Thursday we put out a new video. Plus, you can get access to all our archive videos as well, plus much more. Number 5. Sandra Cantu Eight-year-old Sandra Cantu lived with her parents in a trailer park in Tracy, California. On March 27, 2004, she was seen on surveillance footage skipping her way home. Suddenly, something caught her attention, though. She stopped in her tracks and changed her direction, moving towards the house of 29-year-old Melissa Hackaby, a Sunday school teacher. And that was the last time that Cantu was ever seen alive. After a two-week search for the little girl, her body was found inside a suitcase floating in a nearby irrigation pond. The suitcase was traced back to Melissa, who was brought in for questioning and then indicted as the main suspect in the case. At first, authorities decided to put a gag on the details of the case so as to not influence the jury when a trial came. But once the trial was underway, the horrifying details of the crime were brought to the surface. According to the evidence, Huckabee had sexually abused Cantu with a rolling pin. The rolling pin with a bent handle and a smudge of blood belonging to Cantu were found in the church where the murder is said to have been committed. Cantu also had a cut lip and abrasions on her elbow. What caused her death, however, was asphyxiation. Reports revealed that Huckabee used a noose to strangle Cantu to death. She then stuffed her into her suitcase and dumped her in the nearby irrigation pond. According to Huckabee's family and ex-husband, she had her low moments and mental issues, but she was not one to be prone to violence. They stated that they couldn't believe she had committed such a terrible crime. Huckabee has since pleaded guilty in a deal to avoid the death sentence, and she faces life in prison without ever getting the possibility of parole. Number 4. Devin Holmes Guns are not something to be played around with. 27-year-old Devin Holmes and acquaintance Cassandra Damper learned this the hard way on April 1st, 2018, when Cassandra shot Mr. Holmes while live on Facebook, allegedly by accident. The two, along with another man, were streaming in Mr. Holmes' car parked outside a gas station. In the stream, Cassandra was talking to the camera while waving a gun around. Right before the shot was fired, Mr. Holmes let Cassandra know that she was making him nervous. The man in the back seat can also be heard saying that the gun had no clip. Then, to the horror of everyone watching, Cassandra fired the gun at Devin and hit him in the head. Cassandra and the other man immediately got out of the vehicle and called 911. Officers arrived five minutes later and were able to get Devin to the hospital. Miraculously, he survived. But while the bullet didn't kill Mr. Holmes, it seriously crippled him. The father of two had to go through intensive rehab and was confined to his bed for months. A year later, footage emerged of Devon taking his first small steps after the incident. Meanwhile, Cassandra pleaded guilty and took responsibility for the accident that she had caused. She was in tears during the trial admitted that she pulled the trigger, but saying that it was an accident as she fully believed the gun was empty. She also said that the events brought her utter grief, so much so that she even contemplated suicide just to make things fair. Cassandra was sentenced to serve 10 years for aggravated assault and five years for tampering with evidence. However, six months into her sentence the Texas Department of Criminal Justice released her on probation. The terms of her probation included visits with a community supervisor, drug and alcohol testing, travel restrictions, and 10,000 hours of community service. Cassandra was also ordered to pay $50,000 in restitution to Mr. Holmes. This news shocks Devin and his family. In an interview with ABC 13, Devin's mother let everyone know how displeased they were with the ruling, saying things like, The justice system is messed up, and It's not nearly enough punishment. Six months, that's how much my son's life is worth. Devin also posted on Instagram saying, My black life does not matter to the state of Texas, as well as, Cassandra's record will someday be wiped away. But my mother's tears are forever. Today, Devin Holmes still goes live from time to time. He is also active on Instagram, where he wants to inspire his followers by the story of his recovery. Meanwhile, Cassandra is currently still on probation. Number 3. Linda Sturmer On January 7, 2007, Linda Sturmer... Was peacefully doing laundry in the basement of the family home she shared with her husband and sons. Suddenly, she was startled by her husband, Todd, letting out a chilling scream. She rushed to the bedroom and found him fighting a boiling inferno of flames. Terrified and unable to get to him, Linda ran outside. Since they lived on a large piece of property surrounded by an electrical fence to keep their 31 horses safe, She had no choice but to jump into Todd's van to go get help from the neighbors. When asked, she said she never thought about calling 911 and hadn't brought a cell phone to the van. As Linda tried to exit the muddy driveway, she noticed her husband exiting the house. He'd been badly burnt when she tried to get him to come into the van. What happened next is something she's still unable to explain. As the muddy van's wheels spun in the light, wet snow, Linda lost control and traction. She also lost sight of her husband and later found him under the wheels of the van. His blood on the bumper and undercarriage, she claims to have had accidentally ran him over. When paramedics arrived, they tried in vain to revive Todd, but he soon died after from his burn injuries And the impact from the van. Due to the bizarre story Linda presented, investigators began hunting for evidence of arson and murder. After two years, prosecutors finally had the evidence they needed to accuse Linda of the double crime. First, it was Linda's own sons. In the beginning, they were convinced that their mother was innocent, but they later told investigators that they soon began to feel that she might be guilty. As they explained, she had given them money to go out to the movies shortly before the fire started. Our mother murdered our father, said 28-year-old Trevor Stremmer. She She set the house on on fire, fire, doused him in gasoline. gasoline. Then after the fact, when he managed to get out of the the house, house, she ran him over uh, with the van. van. Another testimony came from a gas clerk who said he saw Linda at the station on the morning of the fire pumping gas into a can in the back of the truck. A former friend also came forward saying Linda had told her that she had planned to kill Todd by running him over. On January 13, 2010, Linda was convicted and a month later sentenced to life in prison without parole. Nine years after that, she was released due to the fact that she had not gotten a fair trial. She blamed her defense attorney for not getting a fire investigator to testify. With a new attorney and help from the Innocence Network, Linda's case was overturned and she was set free. However, the Van Buren Prosecutor's Office has since filed fresh murder cases against her and she faces a new trial sometime this year. According to Linda's sons, she is guilty and they will testify against her And do everything they can to keep her behind bars. Number 2. Cheryl Durkin Losing a loved one is a life changing event none of us can ever fully recover from. And when we lose a family member in a harrowing, brutal way, the effects are unimaginable. Such was the story of the Durkin family when they lost 33 year old Cheryl. It all began in February of 1998. Cheryl Durkin was seen by witnesses two blocks from the house of a man named James Lawson, who had previously been arrested for illegal trespassing and possession of drug paraphernalia. It was the last time she would ever be seen alive again. On April 13, 1998, bicyclists riding along the Great Miami River in Hamilton noticed something unusual on the riverbank. Upon closer inspection, they were shocked to find it was the headless and limbless torso of a woman. Later, the body was identified as belonging to Cheryl Ann Durkin, whose family said she had been missing since February 16th. Durkin's murder had clearly been a brutal one. According to investigators, her wrists were tied as she was hit numerous times over the head with a hammer. Her killer... James Lawson, then stuffed her into a hole that led to the basement. There, he severed off her head and limbs with an electric saw. To avoid capture, Lawson stuffed Durkin's head into a cooler and her limbs into trash bags. He then enlisted the help of his mother, Ellen Peck, and his sister, Melissa Botts, to dispose of Durkin's body parts in separate burial areas across Rush Run Wildlife Area in Preble County and Brookville Lake, Indiana. He then went on to paint his whole basement to conceal the murder. In September of that same year, Lawson's sister Melissa turned him in and showed police where he had buried other parts of Durkin's body. What ensued was a two-month manhunt for Lawson, evaded capture by using numerous aliases and false identification cards. Lawson was finally captured in November of 1998 when he attended Thanksgiving dinner at the home of his new girlfriend, Billy Jenks. According to reports, Lawson began acting strangely when Jenks' family began recording the celebration. Feeling suspicious, Jenks' grandmother, Lita Medors, phoned the police. Lawson was then arrested without a struggle. The Durkin family held two separate burials for their lost loved one. During the first one, they buried her torso and held a service for her. Later, when Lawson was convicted and Durkin's remaining body parts were leased, they held a second burial in service. Although Durkin was laid to rest in peace, her murder continues to haunt those who loved her the most. Ever since I found out about it, uh, I can't get it out of my mind, her brother Gary said. Their sister, Carla, feels the same. In her words, it's something Uh, that I I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy because you can never get get over it. Number one, Howard Evans. In 1984, Howard Kip Evans went missing in Volusia County, Florida. To this day, not much is known about Kip's disappearance. As a 29-year-old man, it's entirely possible that he was independent and living alone, which would explain why not much of a fuss was made when he was nowhere to be found. His family tried to report him missing to the Volusia County Police, but no formal missing persons report was ever filed. Six years later, they declared him legally dead since he never showed up ever again and no one had heard from him. What they didn't know was that in 1986, two years after Kip had gone missing, human remains had been found in the Bulo Creek State Park. The area was a biker campground and a man had been cutting palmetto trees when he discovered the remains. The body had already rotted away, leaving nothing but bones that had been damaged or scattered by animals. Police later determined that the man had been killed by a blunt force attack, and they believed his body was dumped in the woods where it was found. While none of the man's features remained, police were able to collect DNA samples and create a forensic sketch based on the skull. This John Doe had a noticeable face deformity, which made his jaw appear lopsided. Furthermore, there were still some items on the corpse that the police hoped would help identify the mystery man. These included a baseball t-shirt, a cap with the initials FTW, a Harley Davidson belt buckle, and a keychain with the words KKK Member in Good Standing written on it. Unfortunately, none of these helped them figure out who this John Doe was, Through the years, plenty of leads came up, but they were all dead ends. Between 2006 and 2011, DNA samples from the corpse were sent to laboratories, hoping that they would find a connection in the FBI's database, all with no success. A break in the case finally came in 2019 when Kip's mother posted the story of her son in a missing persons group on Facebook. She said that her son, A 29-year-old man in Volusa County had gone missing back in 1984. Some people that saw the post alerted the Volusa Sheriff's Office and DNA tests were conducted on Kip's mother. In April of 2020, after 36 years of wondering whatever happened to Howard Kip Evans, the mother's DNA matched that of an unidentified corpse found in the Bulo Creek State Park and the mysterious case of Alusa County's John Doe was finally put to rest. If you like this video, then please subscribe to our channel and check out our Patreon page where you can get a new exclusive video every single week. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you soon.